Yep, I can hear her. Okay. Ready to go? Okay, put my game face on. <clears throat> okay, in five, four, three, two. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Call It in the Ring. And tonight, we have a very controversial episode for you tonight. We are unlike the WWE where we do talk about wrestlers that they want to forget. Tonight, we're talking about Chris Benoit, and I'm joined, like always, with Ed. How are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good, man. I, uh, I'm a, more than severely disappointed in the WWE, but uh, I'm good. I'm good. Good. Well, tonight, we knew this was going to be a controversial episode for some viewers, for some listeners. Uh, tonight, we're talking about Chris Benoit. Um, I thought about this today. Um, I wasn't going to do this, but, you know, because of it being 2019 and in this PC culture, I feel like in all due respect that I have to definitely say this. So um, if you do not want to listen to this episode, because we will be talking about Chris Benoit's highs and his lows, if this wrestler or this individual person offends you, uh, then this is not the episode for you. I don't want to disturb you from listening to our show. But these are our opinions of this wrestler, the character, Chris Benoit, and also the individual. So if this is just rubbing you the wrong way, we understand. But we hope you enjoy if you stick with us, listen to this episode. Because I think we have a lot of interesting things to say, don't you think, Ed? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I know that I have something very deep in my soul that I'm going to need to get off my chest at some point during this this episode. I'm not going to do it right now. I want to, you know, but I do want to preface that if, if you're still listening now, we're going to assume that our opinions about Chris Benoit are something that you want to hear. Um, and how the WWE's treatment of him posthumously is something you want to hear, uh, whether you agree with it or not. Um, you know, I don't care, but I do want everybody to know that there is going to be some things that are said that in this, you know, that are not going to be politically correct. <laughs> this, I don't think caught in the ring is really a political correct show. We try. We, then- we do try. We try our best. You and I have at each other every, you know, for the most part out of fun because we, we, we enjoy wrestling. We enjoy each other and we enjoy talking to each other. That's why we do the show. But there are some things that are, an embarrassment on the industry, a skid mark on the underpants of professional wrestling and WWE's treatment of this legacy is one of those things. And that's exactly what I'm, I'm going to call it the way I see it. I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it out flat out. You're going to call it in the ring. Yeah. I'm going to call yeah. it. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Merker. Merker. You know, I mean, like we, uh, you know, Ed and I try to be PC here, but, you know, after the show continues on and we drink a few beers from our friends of Inside the Cellar, we uh, we tend to forget about our PC things and we just go to our go to our opinions. But before we start the show, since I brought them up and my buddy Stone Cold Steve Austin that I love so much, Ed, can you tell people about Inside the Cellar? Sure. So what Inside the Cellar, everybody go to InsideTheCellar.com and you'll be able to find some really awesome stuff. Uh, you know, subscribe to their newsletter, get 15% off. 
Uh, but really what it is, is it's basically, it is an online order guide to, to alcohol, uh, beers, ciders, uh, wines. Uh, you know, I know they've got some, some great things. Uh, you know, they got an 1880 Union Blonde, uh, Blonde Ale on sale for 15, or excuse me, for five bucks. They've got some awesome things. Just go online, click through it, and they'll tell you what goes with what. Um, you can check it. You can check out uh, order online. Definitely, definitely, definitely drink, uh, drink responsibly, and please be 21 or over. Please don't. Everybody be 21 or over when you order, but uh, they definitely have. Uh, it's definitely a great, uh, great place to find the, the right wine for your needs and budget. And we are the right show for all your wrestling needs here for Calling of the Ring. We are recording here on a Monday, and uh, this episode will be released on Friday. But if you go to our YouTube page and also our Twitter and on Instagram, you just search for Movie Guys Podcast and all those social medias, you'll be able to see me live at SmackDown this week. I'll be I'll be doing some live videos uh, leading up to that event. So tonight we're talking about Chris Benoit. Uh, birth name, of course, is Christopher Michael Benoit, born on May 21st, 1960, 1967 in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. He unfortunately passed away on June 24th in 2007 at the age of 40 in Georgia. He was married twice to a Martina Benoit from 1988 to 1997, and his last wife was Nancy Benoit. Uh, from 2000 to 2007, he has he had three children as well. Standing only five feet ten inches, very short guy, and uh, weighed in at 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. So Chris Benoit, he was a cruiserweight. He was a cruiserweight. He was. We're going to talk about Chris Benoit. He debuted on November 22nd in 1985, and Chris Benoit has held. Uh, let's see here. He has held 22 championships in his career with WWF slash WWE, WCW, New Japan Wrestling, and ECW. He's also a two-time world heavyweight champion and a one-time WCW world heavyweight champion and a one-time WWE champion. And to end all this, he's also a WWE triple crown champion and seventh WCW Triple Count Crown member and the second of four horsemen in history to achieve both WWE and WCW Triple Crown Championships. Oh, that was a mouthful. Yeah, so listen, Meltzer named him one of the top five wrestlers of all time. And and the guy lives up to that. I mean, he's been, like you said, a champ in WWF, champ in WCW. He was actually WCW champ he won, I think it sold out 2000. Uh, he beat um, uh, Sid Vicious. He beat Sid Vicious with Arn Anderson as a special guest referee to win that. And then the next night went to Raw. <laughs> so it was awesome. It was, and that's going to go into my rant at the end. Okay. That's going to go in, that's going to be part of this. I don't want to dive too deep into it. But yeah, man, listen, you know, he's been everywhere. He did everything there was to do. Um, you know, he was in, he was in new Japan, um, another E C F and W guy. So of course, uh, you know, I, of course I'm, I'm going to hold a special place in my heart, uh, to guys like, and that's actually how he got his nickname. It was an ECW. Uh, he broke, he broke Sabu's neck doing a, uh, just doing a regular, doing a regular suplex or German suplex or something broke his neck. And then, and then, uh, 
Paul Heyman, the genius Paul Heyman, came up with a name that uh, stuck and called him the Crippler. So there you go. So one of the things that I love about Ed is he has this beautiful pointer finger. Um, It's a beautiful pointer finger on the right hand of Edward. And what he loves to do with that pointer finger is just just poke at you. Poke at you. Am I knowing you yet? Am I knowing yet? He likes to poke the bear. And you keep on bringing it up, ECW. You're poking the bear. I'm growling. I'm not awake yet. I'm still sleeping. Well, ECW is the greatest promotion in the history of professional wrestling. Ah! And Paul Heyman is the greatest promoter in the history of professional wrestling. Ah! We've been we've been over this. Ah! We've argued this for over an hour a, a couple of weeks ago. It's in our archives. Ah! And and listen, it's it's true. It's damn true oh. that Paul Heyman, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, Chris Benoit broke a guy's neck, and that's how we call him the Crippler. But okay. that name stuck. So there you go. Oh, you know, you give me very hard pills to swallow, my friend. Because I give uh, you facts and you don't like them. Opinions. Uh, Chris Benoit that's not my opinion. That's a fact. In 1985 with Stampede Wrestler. He was billed as Dynamite Chris Benoit. A little foreshadowing here. According to Chris Benoit in his first match, he attempted the diving headbutt uh, finishing move before learning how to actually land it correctly. And it actually knocked the wind out of him during that match in Stampede Wrestling. And he said that he would never do that move again, ever. Well, well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was, another uh, guy that, he was another guy that came out of the dungeon, Stu Hart's dungeon. Well, um, he won. Uh, he actually was the first title Chris Benoit ever won was the Stampede British Commonwealth Mid Heavyweight Championship on March 18th, 1988. Again, Gamma Sai. Gamma Sai? Gamma Sign. Gamma Sign. Yeah, Gamma So that's, uh, that's an interesting title. Stampede British Commonwealth Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to look what this looks like. I'm going to see what this looks like. There was no uh, pictures. No, there, there, I mean, there probably are if you dive pretty deep. It's just, it's, 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 Canada's version of what is now uh, FCW, okay, um, what FCW is, FCW is, for those who don't know, it's it's WWE's basically proving round before NXT. Yeah, that's um, right. right. It was so, before. yeah, uh, Stampede was, is, you know, it was, Stu Hart's, it was Stu Hart's promotion, Stampede Wrestling was Calgary's uh, – what I want to call it. It was kept, it was the name of Calgary's territory. Um, lots of great guys came out of, came out of Calgary, came out of stampede. Uh, obviously the entire heart foundation. Um, I think WWE owns their, uh, I think uh, WWE owns the, their stuff now. Uh, but yeah, there, I mean, there were a lot of great guys that came out of there. Uh, one of the great wrestlers of all time, the dynamite kid, you'll hear a lot about him on other other shows, uh, but you know they definitely had some some things. Uh, you know, Bret Hart come out of there, obviously. Um, you know, just just a lot of guys that you you would hear about. Well, I'll get to the facts about Stampede real quick. Stampede was founded in 1948. It was officially defunct as a company in 2008, and it was owned by Vince McMahon from '84 to '85. 
and then it was owned by the Hart family from 85 until uh, its demise in 2008. Natalia came out of there too. Yeah. So later in later in his uh, also with uh, with with uh, with Stampede Wrestling, uh, Chris Benoit won four inter uh, international tag team titles and also three more British Commonwealth titles. And his biggest feud at Stampede Wrestling was with J- Johnny Smith, which lasted over a year. And he kept on going back and forth with the Commonwealth title. Chris Benoit moved uh, to Tokyo, Japan, and he became a part of New Japan Wrestling. Um, and he was training in their New Japan Dojo that year. And he debuted, um, and he assumed the name the Pegasus Kid? Pe- uh, Pegasus. Pegasus Kid. Yeah. Oh, man. Listen, it's, it's, it, people come up with stupid names, and it's it's New Japan. I mean, you've got stupid, stupid names that just come out of Japan that don't mean anything to us. But you got to remember the great Black Tiger. Can I tell you who the Black Tiger is? I mean, please. That is Eddie Guerrero. He was wrestling with Eddie Guerrero at the time, a.k.a. Uh, the Black Tiger. So, you know, it was one of those guys that are just one of those things about Japanese progress. <clears throat> So you know how people say your porn is the name of your first pet and the name of the street you grew up on? Oh, so I would be Punkin Reed. That's gonna was I was I was going to change it and okay. say instead of instead of a porn name, what's your wrestling name? So your wrestling name would be Punkin Reed. Punkin Reed. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's actually that's actually a badass fuck. My name is terrible. Uh my name would be Doje McGregor. I'm sorry, See, no. So not Doje Garfield. Gregor was the second dog. Doje was the first dog. So my name would have been Doje Garfield. There you go. There you go. Doje Garfield. And what are you? Punkin Reed. Punkin Reed. Okay. So he's in New Japan wrestling for a while. And then. He goes to WCW for a year and from 1992 to 1993. And he teams up and he wrestles with Biff Wellington for the NWA World Tag Team Championship Tournament. And they were defeated by Brian Pillman and uh, Justin Thunder Liger. And the first... Uh, and, and the uh, they, they, he was just another Japanese guy. I don't... I don't think uh, I don't think he was anything special. Gotcha. There's not much about Chris Benoit in the early years that I can talk about because I don't know much about Chris Benoit in the early years. But from '94 to '95, Chris Benoit decides to move to Pennsylvania, where Ed is from, and he decides to join ECW, the greatest professional wrestling organization that ever was. At November to remember, Benoit accidentally broke Sabu's neck in the opening of the match here. And the injury came between when Benoit threw Sabu in the intention to take a face-first pancake bump. Uh, and Sabu attempted to mid-air take a backdrop bump instead. Uh, Paul Heyman would later call him the crippler like you. So, mm-hmm. I know I like to jump your guns. I know I do. I know you've got, a, I know you, you've got notes. I know that. I'm just saying that, like, 
I just needed to jump up in front of this because I knew where you were going to go. And I had to tell you that Paul Heyman, AKA the greatest wrestling mind in the history of professional wrestling, while in the greatest professional wrestling organization to ever start here in the United States, gave Chris Benoit a nickname that stuck another Paul Heyman creation. So he's poking that bear. Um, Oh, you're a little teddy bear. Yeah. Paul Heyman is not the greatest promoter of all time. If he was the greatest promoter of all time, he would still be in business. But he gets a check from Vince McMahon every week, my good sir. So I don't want to hear your bullshit that he is great. He's not I didn't say great. great. I didn't say Paul Heyman was great. I said the Paul Heyman is the greatest, the oh greatest, the greatest of all time. But hey. this show's not about Chris Benoit. Or excuse me, this show's about Chris Benoit, not about Paul Heyman. It is about uh, that, but I, but 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 no 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 no. I'm not going to go on like a rant with this. More no, time no, rehashing, no, rehashing. No no we're not we're not rehashing. I'm just asking you a question real quick, and then I can move on and talk about. Uh, Chris Benoit and ECW a little bit more. Okay? okay. I just I just want to talk to you about this real quick. Sure. Sure, no problem. So so when you go on the internet and you want to search for something, how often do you go to askjeeves.com? Well, there's reasons why you don't go to askjeeves.com. I'm just asking, how often do you go to askjeeves.com? Well, you don't go to askjeeves.com because askjeeves.com no longer exists. Oh. So where do you go to to search for stuff on the internet? You go to uh, I personally go to Google. Google, mm-hmm. maybe Yahoo for some of the older people or AOL, but predominantly it's 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 Google, right? Sure. Okay. So 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 Paul Heyman is asked Jeeves. If Who Paul cares? Heyman, if, if Paul Heyman were asked Jeeves, then. Ask Jeeves would still be around and he would be promoting the biggest name in the WWE at the moment. Vince McMahon would have Vince. Think about this. Vince McMahon has such respect for Paul Heyman and what Paul Heyman was able to do that. He employs him. Yes. He took him over. Okay. I'm fully aware of that to be the voice for the guy that he's trying to push when nobody in the, when the whole world wants nothing to do with Brock Lesnar. It has nothing to do with Paul Heyman. They cheer Paul Heyman. They repeat Paul Heyman's words. They boo Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar sucks. But they love Paul Heyman. They always have. They always have. They always will. People who like professional wrestling love Paul Heyman. You said yourself. You have said multiple times that you are a fan of WWF, not of professional wrestling. So anytime you make an argument that's anti-Paul Heyman, you're just wrong because you're not a wrestling fan. You're a WWE fan. Chris Benoit and Din Malenko won the ECW World Tag Team <laughs> Championship from Sam Booth and Tasmaniac in February of 1995, which will be classified as Benoit's first American title. 
It's Taz, by the way, just throwing that out there. <sighs> okay, so let's I'm talk just saying, about, I'm just saying. Let's talk about the Benoit that I know, which is the bulk of the show that we're really going to have a lot of interesting things to talk about. In 1995, Benoit returned to WCW. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a part of the new of the new four horsemen in 1995 along with Flair, Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. So, okay. Now we're going to now we're going to get away from my notes and we're going to talk about memories of everything Chris Benoit. Uh, we have established in the history of calling the ring that I became a wrestling fan in 1997 when I was 10. So, Chris Benoit was in there for a few years before, but I always went back and forth to WWF, WCW, because of the Monday Night Wars. Chris Benoit always stuck out to me for some reason. He stuck out to me more than Flair or Arn Anderson or Brian Pillman. He stuck out to me in WCW. I, 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 I still to this day don't know what it is about him that made me flock to him. But I was always interested when he was on screen for some reason. I don't know. Did you share that same enthusiasm with Chris Benoit as I did? Um, at the time, no. At the time, no. Going back and after he had – he wasn't ready in WCW. He wasn't – he was good. He was good, but he wasn't great in WCW. But I was – no, I, I can – I freely admit I was not as excited when Chris Benoit would come into the ring – during a WCW match as I was later on when he was in WWE. Okay, fair enough. He was introduced as Pillman uh, as Pillman as a gruff with no nonsense heel similar to his ECW persona, the Crippler, and he was brought in to add a new dynamic for Anderson and Flair's tormenting of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage uh, with the alliance to end Hulkamania. That's a great concept. Before... NWO and the debacle of what happened with the NWO, the four horsemen trying to take down Hulkamania. That's a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. It was one of the, but here's the thing. It was one of many things that they did in WCW that flopped, right? Is them trying to reform the four horsemen with a bunch of just random guys and three random guys and Arn Anderson. Two ran. Oh, Ric Flair was in there too. I forgot. So you had uh, Brian Pillman and 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 Chris Benoit, who were nobodies. That you know they tried to to get. But yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Is that you know he was he was not yet the rabid Wolverine, but he still had that concept. Um, and people kind of sort of wanted Hulkamania to, to to end. That was the thing about being a good heel back was trying to end Hulkamania. Yeah, I mean, people were kind of sick and tired of saying your prayers and your vitamins. People were rooting for Samuel Jackson and John Travolta for Pulp Fiction. They were rooting for Goodfellas and Casino. They were interested in the bad guy. Right. And um, the Four Horsemen destroying Hulkamania is a great idea. A lot better than what some of the other drack they gave us in WCW later in the year. <laughs> but a very good, you know, like, this very good idea. Um, in 1998, though, Chris Benoit had a longtime feud with Booker T. Uh, those two would fight over the WCW World 
television championship until Booker T lost the title to Fit Finley. And uh, Booker won a best of seven series, which uh, led to the two to determine a number one contender. Benoit went up three to one before Booker caught up, forcing the seventh. And the final match of Monday Nitro during the match, Bret Hart interjected himself, interfering on behalf of Benoit and attempting him to join the New World Order. Which, by the way, did you watch? Have you watched any of those matches? I have in preparing for the show, of course. The the fu- the finale on on Nitro was so good. Mm. It was it was absolutely fantastic. I would say that that match was definitely a pay per view worthy match that they gave basically for free with your cable subscription on Monday Nitro. That yeah, I know they usually do that. They usually did that. They did that a lot, really, on yeah. WCW. They didn't, they didn't give you a reason to really buy their pay-per-views, did they? <laughs> Never did. I mean, we established that in our, in our, in our Goldberg show. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. why would you, and I'm not going to. We're talking about Chris Benoit. Um, see, fans, this is the point of the show where, like, Ed and I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things that circle around a wrestler. We really want to focus on talking about this civil wrestler, but there's so many other subjects that circle around him that it's hard to just focus on it. Um, so just forgive us and kind of roll with it. Just sit back and have a beer, right, Ed? Sure. Sit back Crack and have up a beer. on a Broken Skull IPA. Yeah, just sit back and enjoy the show. Uh, in 1999, Benoit teamed up with Dean Malenko again, and he defeated Kurt Henning and Barry Windleham to win the WCW World Tag Team Championships. This led to a reformation of the Four Horsemen with the Tag Team Champions, Anderson and Mongo. Uh, God, every time I say Mongo, I just... You think about him dancing. (laughs) What was that commercial in the 80s? I don't remember that. It's just, you know, I am a big sports guy, and I remember the 85 Bears, and he was a part of that team, if I'm correct. You know, and just seeing, you know, the 30 for 30 documentary and then all of a sudden going back and watching WCW, I was like, is that the fucking guy? Like, what's the anyway? Yeah, that's, that's definitely that's, a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, throughout the year, Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko would feud against other tag teams, such as Raven and Perry Saturn, uh, Billy Kidman and Ray Mysterio Jr. And they had a falling out with Anderson and McMichael, and Benoit Malenko left the Four Horsemen. Uh, Benoit won his first ever WCW United States at year of 1998, 99, sorry. Um, and then all of a sudden, they form a new alliance called the Revolution with Malenko, Perry Saturn, and Shane Douglas. The franchise, so, Shane Douglas, might I add, from ECFNW. Continue, please. I have a question. Sure. Do you want to talk Chris Benoit? Or do you just... I would love to to talk about Chris Benoit. I'm letting you go through... I'm trying not to interject because I jumped in front of you... Jumped in front of you already. I'm letting you go through your your notes. Um, But I just want to bring up a few key points that I don't want you or the audience to forget. That's all. I'm just asking. I mean, because we can sit here and discuss... Everything about Chris Benoit, uh, we can talk about his title runs, which are becoming very quickly here in my notes, as you so lovely put it. Or we can sit here and never have a heated discussion 
um, about ECW. Well, the choice is yours. Oh, no, no, no. I definitely want to continue the conversation about Chris Benoit. I've got plenty okay. to say. But again, okay. I just don't want you or our audience to forget mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. greatest promotion in the history of professional wrestling, ECW. That's all. That's all. I'm going to continuously remind you of it. That's all. Just wanted to throw it out there. But continue. Right. Keep talking about Keep talking about Chris Benoit. And, you know, I will say that you know that I'm irritated in my personal life, so now you just keep on putting that fire, that, that log on that fire, aren't you? Just keep it know. up. I don't know what you're talking about. So the Revolution was a heel stable for younger wrestlers who felt, uh, kind of felt, you know, hey, I'm illegitimate. Let's talk about Chris Benoit and all these factions. What an interesting idea. Chris Benoit starts off in wrestling. Uh, in 1985, and by this time in 1999, he's been a part of two decent-sized factions. He's been a part of the Four Horsemen, mm -hmm. and now he's a part of the Revolution. Uh, I'm not saying that it's good for every wrestler, but a lot of good wrestlers come out of factions, a la The Rock with the Nation of Domination. Well, I mean, Sure. Triple H with DX, Stone Cold out of uh, the Hollywood Blondes with Brian Pillman. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, it just seems like, you know, like, they don't know what to do with him. Benoit, I'm feeling that WCW at this point in 1999 is like, well, you know, he's not really our guy. Our guy's like Jeff Jarrett and Booker T. But, you know, he's a good, he's a good asshole. Well, it was one of those things that... Like much like CM Punk with Chris Benoit, who Chris Benoit's don't get me wrong, Chris Benoit's uh, line to to gold was a lot shorter and a lot more straight than than CM Punk. But like him in the sense that he doesn't have the look really to be the guy, but his talent his in-ring talent is so good. He's undeniably better than everybody you're trying to make the guy. So you have no choice but to give him a shot. And especially in WCW, their talent, any, their talent outside of the top few was, was so thin. You know, I mean, I know that they got Lex Luger, but Lex Luger was not that good. And, and Vince McMahon didn't give a shit about Lex Luger. And he just made him, he, you know, he just made him champ because he was a big dude. And, of course, at this time you had Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Hollywood Hogan and Sting and Flair. But outside of those top guys, and, of course, and uh, Scott Steiner, but outside of those top guys, the, 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 there really wasn't anything else going on that was any good in WCW. They didn't know what to do with Bret Hart, who never really got a shot till it was fucking over. They didn't know what to do with DDP, who was great. And him and Chris Benoit had a fantastic fucking match, by the way. Uh, I forget when it was. Uh, but uh, it was Chris Benoit and, and uh, shit. Him and it was one other person in a, in a triple threat match that for like the, te the television title. I forget who it was. But that was a great match. Um, but they just didn't have a whole lot going on, you know. It's, it's very I, good, I, yeah. very good mid card matches. 
Just he, mid-card he, matches, very good, keeps the audience engaged. That's what Chris Benoit was at the early point of 1999 with WCW. He was so much better than that then. They just had they just, they just gave everything to Hulk. Exactly, which I'm totally <laughs> agreeing with you. I mean, like, I mean, Chris Benoit, you know, like, they, they could have done a lot of things different with their wrestlers. You had, at this point in time, yeah, WWF had Triple H, The Rock, and Stone Cold, the big three. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, WCW had a lot of great guys, you know, they at this time they had Nash and Hall, which I don't you know what? Fuck that. I'm not doing this show with you has broken my heart um, because just like our other show or sister show, Movie Guys podcast, it's breaking my heart with movies. I can't sit down and just enjoy a stupid movie without criticizing it. Now I can't watch wrestling without really watching wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like. Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were not fucking great. They were just hired as bullies. Um, I don't know. I mean, they were given some shit. Like I know that they did their own storylines. I get that, and the storylines were kind of out of whack. And once Bischoff really ran, no pun intended, hog wild with the fucking NWO shit, it got out of hand. But they were really, really good in-ring performers. The biggest problem with Scott Hall was that he was drunk all the time. God bless He would have been so much better if he wasn't drunk in the ring. You know, look at Flair. Flair was an alcoholic, but when it came time to be in the ring, he was was a professional. He was a playboy. Um, Now, Chris Benoit will go on to win the television title one more time and also the United States title, and he won it from Jeff Jarrett in a ladder match. Now, this is interesting to talk about here. In October of 1999 on a Monday Nitro in Kansas City, Missouri, Benoit wrestled Bret Hart as a tribute to Owen Hart, who recently died to uh, what they call his equipment malfunction at a pay-per-view. I don't know if we're ever going to do an Owen Hart show. Oh, we will. Trust me. And I'll have a lot to say about Owen fucking Hart, too. I I want to scour the internet and actually see the real footage of him fall. No, you don't. No, you don't. Don't I do kinda, that. kind of want to, though. I d- you don't want to see that. What? Okay, so. But I kind of do, though. Do that in your own private time. The, it's, I'm not it, doing it here. I'm not doing no, it here. No, you don't. I don't. I would I'm not, not doing re- it here. I would not recommend that. But you've got to remember the situation and this is another thing on Vince and I don't want to go too di- dive too deep into this but the reason there was there's a reason why that he was put there and when we do our Owen Hart show I'll go into detail and it's another big reason why I I I as much as I love his product I have a big big loathe in my heart for Vince McMahon and it's because of what he did to Owen Hart but that match you got to remember Bret Hart, obviously being his brother, and Chris Benoit was the basically the silent wasn't one of the silent brothers. They had the Hart Foundation for years, but Chris Benoit was out doing. He was outside of the the, the realm of big wrestling at the time, and was in WCW. But he was trained by Stu Hart, so they were best friends. They're not best friends. They were very close. They all knew each other very well. They all incredibly well. And that match in Kansas City, Bret Hart wanted to wanted to wanted wanted to lay down. He wanted Benoit to win that match, and the powers that be said no. 
the powers that be said no. And that's another reason why that's another reason why they wanted why why Chris Benoit wanted to leave is because he knew what was right in the hearts of wrestling fans and the brass didn't know. The brass did not. And what was right by in tribute of professional wrestling, and the way you go out is, is you lose. You don't go out on top in professional wrestling. And the way you, the best way you give tribute is to is to is to lose. That's why that's why Bret Hart should have lost that match out of tribute to his brother. Well, well, Bret Hart wins that match by submission, and the two receive a standing ovation and embrace from guest ring announcer Harley Race. Uh, later in the year of 99, going into early 2000, Benoit is really unhappy working with WCW. Uh, one last attempt with WCW in January 2000 was they tried to keep him with the company by putting the vacant WCW World Heavyweight Championship on him, defeating Sid Vicious that sold out. Uh, however, though, you know, Benoit has disagreements with management and to protest the promotion. Of Kelvin of Kevin Sullivan as head booker, Benoit left the company the next day along with friends Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn, forfeiting his title in the process. Benoit starts to head to the WWE. Benoit is part of a new group called the Radicals, along with Guerrero, Saturn, and Malenko. Benoit debuted in WWF as a stable that became known as the Radicals. So I don't know much about the Radicals. They aligned themselves with uh, who was the WWF champ at the time, Triple H, and became a heel faction. And he won his first title in WWF just over a month later, WrestleMania 2000, pinning Chris Jericho in a triple threat match to win Kurt Angle's Intercontinental Championship. So this guy, Chris Benoit, right off the bat, goes into WWE in 2000. He's a part of a group called the Radicals with Guerrero, Saturn, and Malenko. And he's in a triple threat match for the IC Championship. And he wins it Mm -hmm. at WrestleMania 2000. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. WrestleMania 2000, he wins. And it's also for the Intercontinental title. They definitely saw something in his ass. Well, he, the guy just was the WCW world champ and left. He did he did to WCW what a lot of guys did to WWE. Not just guys. But Luger did it and fucking and Medusa did it. So they got one on him. So they're gonna give him a big push. You're gonna say, listen, we're gonna we're gonna make you a face of our franchise. Not the, but a face of our franchise. And they did, you know, WrestleMania. That was his first ever WrestleMania, and he won. He won a great match. I mean, it wasn't the greatest match of all time, but they had in this wrestle. He had, you know, a WrestleMania. Well, see, now that's, that's interesting with Chris Brown because you're right. He is the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. He goes over to WWF. He becomes the Intercontinental Champion, and this is the first time ever that Chris Benoit starts to headline main events at pay-per-views for WWF. He challenges The Rock for the WWF title at Fully Loaded in July and was a part of a fatal four-way match at Unfor- excuse me, at Unforgiven in September. And on both occasions, uh, appeared Benoit, Benoit appeared to have won the title only to have uh, the decision reversed by Commissioner McFoley due to cheating. So 
That's interesting. Uh, Benoit wins uh, three pay-per-views against Jericho for the Intercontinental title. They met at Backlash and Judgment Day at SummerSlam, and Benoit won all three matches. And then finally Jericho defeated Benoit in a ladder match, a Royal Rumble in January of 01. Oh, that, that was, was a great match. That was a great pay-per-view, and we'll be talking about that pay-per-view sometime in the future. That is yeah. the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. Um, you just like it because Stone Cold. But that was that was a great match. I remember Ben or Chris Jericho giving the lion, uh, what is it, the lion tamer, his, his, his Boston Crab, to Benoit on top of the ladder. And there were a lot of really good bumps in that. At the very beginning of that match, uh, they, you know, uh, Benoit throws Jericho over the top, right? And Jericho's outside, picks himself up, and Benoit's going to do a suicide dive. And Jericho just smacks his face with a chair as he's diving through the air. <laughs> and, and he lands what looks to be really awkwardly, but these guys are in control. They know what um, well, actually, they know what they're doing, you know, very well. But that was a great match. It was that was a fantastic match. I don't know where they put that on like the greatest, you know, matches of all time. But that's definitely for Benoit. It's definitely a top top five. For me. Again, you're poking that bear. Um, no, Ed, the Royal Rumble 2001 is not the greatest Royal Rumble because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. The pay-per-view was great, a la this match is just one of my highlights of that pay-per-view. This was a great fucking match. I mean, it's very <laughs> rare to have a lot of great matches in a big pay-per-view like a Royal Rumble, and this was a great match. Great match. It's a beautiful match. It was really, really, really good. I'm not denying that it was really good. But then you, anyway, you just. I mean, it I was mean, an eighteen. I mean, it was an eighteen minute, eighteen minute match, you know. And yeah, okay. So you had Angle versus Triple H for for the strap later on. Um, and you know, then Stone Cold, of course, you know, fucking won the Royal Rumble. He eliminated. He eliminated Kane. All right, you just, you know, you fucking just love it because of that. I don't love it because of that. I love it because it was a good pay per view. And Stone Cold winning the match is cool because they had a great storyline with him and you wanted him to win the Rumbles to become the champion at Mania. The only reason I like that Royal Rumble is because Drew Carey entered. God that was damn the best it. Part. That was the best part about that. <sighs> uh, I, you know, that was the best part about Royal Rumble 2001. Well, in early 2001, he also had a match against Angle at Backlash in an ultimate submission match. Um, and then he, uh, Benoit decided to steal Kurt Angle's Olympic gold medals, which is fun. I love that they finally did that. Uh, at Judgment Day, though, Angle won two out of three falls to match in the help of Edge and Christian. Um, and then Benoit teamed up with his formal rival Jericho to defeat Edge and Christian in um, a tag team turmoil match later that night. Um, and then uh, the following night on Raw after Backlash on Raw's Warp, and Juan Jericho defeated WWE Tag Team Champion Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H for their title. And the pair used to win as a springboard to challenge Austin for his WWE Championship. Benoit got two title matches following week. 
first losing uh, to the Montreal screw job kind of way. And then Benoit begun to suffer a neck injury in a fatal four match, a TLC match, which he which he needed to get surgery. And he decided to not get surgery. And he continued to wrestle uh, until King of the Ring. So this is where the bullshit of Benoit begins, I would argue. Okay. What do you What do you mean? Take 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 a minute and tell me why you say Why you say it's bullshit right now? Um, the bullshit meaning that he, he's on a high. He's on an up and up. Um, he, he has a great feuds with a lot of great wrestlers and wins the tag team championships and all that shit. Um, but now he suffers a neck injury and he is needed surgery. He decides to not get surgery until King the ring when he was pinned in a triple threat match versus Austin and Jericho and. Benoit missed all of 2001 after that due to his neck injury, missing the entire invasion storyline, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in more detail later. Uh, that should have been an invasion storyline that he should have been a part of. But this is where we start to see that Benoit's like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. No, I'm going to do what I want to do. It does suck that Benoit missed the invasion storyline. That's why I will agree with you when you say that Vince McMahon fucks up sometimes, Ed, because the invasion storyline happened way too soon. Benoit wasn't a part of it. He was out because of a neck injury. Well, yeah, but he. they also came a year earlier. They did. They... They did come a year earlier, but I'm just saying it sucks that he was not a part of it. Um, and uh, early 2002, during the first ever WWE draft, Chris Benoit was the third wrestler picked by Vince McMahon to be a part of the new SmackDown roster. Even though he was still on the injury list. When he returned, mm-hmm. he did a... Me- uh, he, but when he returned, though, he was a member of Raw. On his first night back, he turned heel and aligned himself with Eddie Guerrero when he feuded with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and uh, Chris Benoit then move over to SmackDown during the storyline. Uh, and Benoit takes on his newly won Intercontinental Chip with him. And Rob Van Dam defeated Benoit in SummerSlam and returned the title to Raw that same night. You so mean Rob, the whole effing show, ECW Van Dam? Just one of the... Is that who you're talking about? No, I'm talking about a guy named Rob Van Dam. Ah, oh, okay. That's all right. Just a question. Just had a question. That's all. Yeah. No, I'm just talking about Rob Van Dam. Um, now, again, he starts to feud with Kurt Angle, and he defeated him in a, in a, in a, in a, in Unforgiven. Um, so let's, 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 let's talk about Ben Juan Angle. Now, mm-hmm. Kurt Angle is a great technical wrestler. Um, he knows real wrestling or wrestling. You know, he's Olympic gold medalist for God's yeah. sake. Right? I mean, yeah, the dude, the dude won, won the Olympic gold medal uh, with a with broken, a broken neck. Trick, with a broken <laughs> neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That was good. 
I I am not going to deny his in-ring ability at all. But he's no Kurt Angle, right? Um, Those two, the size of both of them, the body type, and the styles, what a great idea to put Angle and Benoit against each other for these past couple of years that he's been in WWE. That's a great rivalry between those two. Also, Chris Jericho, good ideas. Well, Chris Benoit is a great technical wrestler. Great technical wrestler. Okay, like the do everybody that came out of the Stu the Stu Hart dungeon knew how to wrestle. Like I'm talking on the mat, just wrestle you. And yeah, Kurt Angle was a great professional wrestler and a great you know Greco Roman wrestler. He knew how to do it too. They were both really, really, really good. So, so that's why you have great, very technically sound matches between the two of them. And their best match, in my personal opinion, was him and Benoit at the 03 Royal Rumble. When they rolled through ankle lock after ankle lock after ankle lock, uh, finally, and Chris Benoit finally lost. But it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was one of the, it was probably one of the top. Definitely top five for Chris Benoit's career. Chris Benoit elevated Kurt Angle, I can tell you that. I think they both elevated each other. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Now, this is where I start to get into my love affair with Chris Benoit. Um, he is the crippler. He is the rabid Wolverine. He's missing a tooth. Uh, he's short. He's stocky. He is muscular. He is a completely... Different wrestler than Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock or Triple H. Just completely different. And I want him to succeed. Chris Benoit at that time for me was Daniel Bryan before Daniel Bryan. Um, This guy deserved a championship, I thought. Uh, This guy uh, would – this guy does not have the face, the charisma, the attitude, or the charm that you want to promote your business, a la Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, so on and so forth, John Cena, all that shit. Because those guys have the it factor, right? Chris Benoit never had the it factor. He was just very fucking good. And at the end of the day, this in overall is a wrestling business, and he was just a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. I would argue that Chris Benoit was a better wrestler than The Rock or Stone Cold. Not as good as Triple H, maybe but he was definitely better than The Rock or Triple H when it comes to the fundamentals of wrestling. Um, in terms of the fundamentals of professional wrestling, sure. I mean, The Rock's the greatest sports entertainer in the history of the business. Like, the dude the dude did everything very well. But, yes, Crispin was a better professional wrestler than, than, than those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... April 2003, following WrestleMania 19, Benoit starts a feud with John Cena. Cena likes to wear a shirt that says Toothless Aggression. And the full-blooded Italians team in with Rhino occasionally. In June 2003, the WCW, WCW United States Championship was reactivated and renamed the WWE United States Championship. And Benoit participated in a tournament for the title. He lost his first match against Eddie Guerrero at Vengeance. The team feuded over the title for the next few months, and Benoit went on to defeat the likes of A-Train, Big Show, and eliminating Brock Lesnar 
by submission at Survivor Series as part of Survivor Series elimination tag team match between Team Angle and Team Lesnar. As a result, Benoit challenged Lesnar for the WWE Championship on December 4th episode of SmackDown and lost after passing out to Lesnar's debuting Brock Lesnar submission hold. Just throwing out there that FBI was also an ECW creation with uh, little Tony and little uh, Tony and little Guido. Probably the greatest stable in the history of, you know, Paisan professional wrestling. So forget about it. I have nothing to say on that because you're Italian. I'm not going to piss off your family heritage, but uh, fuck you is the thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You like that? Fuck you is the thing. You like that, don't you? How big's Batista's dick? Is he Italian? I would I would assume if that's the question he gets all the time. I mean, you would know, right? Don't you all know each other? Oh, uh, sure, we do. All it right. doesn't mean I know how big somebody's dick is. The fuck you is the thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it comes to the highlight of our Benoit talk here. On March 14, 2004, at WrestleMania 20, Benoit won the World Heavyweight Championship by forcing Triple H to tap out to a signature submission move, the Crippler, the Crippler Crossface, at a very highly acclaimed match. The match marked the first time in the main event of WrestleMania ended in a submission. After the match, Benoit celebrated to, with his win uh, with the realigning WWE Champion Eddie Guerrero. And the rematch was held the backlash of Benoit's hometown of Edmonton, in which Michaels, who ended up submitting to Benoit Sharpshooter, allowed Benoit to retain this title. The next night in Calgary, he and Edge won the world tag team titles from Batista and Ric Flair, making Benoit a double champion. This is it. Vince McMahon McMahon pulls uh, Chris Benoit into his office, and it sounds something like this. Ah, Chris! That's the thought I can't do. We're going to have you be the champion. At WrestleMania. In the garden. So, after that, we are going to just, just push you and push you. And you are going to be the face of the WWE. <laughs> and, and, and Chris Benoit's like, all right. <laughs> well, I don't think he quite sounded like that. It's, you know, he's very, you forgot he's Canadian. All right. I'm sorry. All right, eh? <laughs> all right, eh? All right. Hey, I'm not your buddy, Gak. I'm not your guy, pal. I'm not your pal, chief. I'm not your chief, friend. I'm not your friend, buddy. Hey, don't call me buddy. Guy. I'm not your guy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I did not know. So um, at this point in time, um, I was a junior in high school. Uh, like I said in the beginning of this episode, once we get some uh, beer in us and we start talking, uh, PC comes out the window. At this time, I cared more about pussy and football. Um, so I didn't care about wrestling at this point in my life. So in 2016, uh, when I start watching wrestling again, 
Um, I found out that Benoit won the um, the World Heavyweight Championship so at WrestleMania 20. So I watched that match, and I almost teared up a little bit because I knew what happened in 2007, which we'll get into then in the show. I always remembered liking Chris Benoit. Um, I always thought that he deserved it. Like I said before, he was Daniel Bryan to me before Daniel Bryan with the Yes Movement. So I watched that match entirety, and it was great to see him win at WrestleMania 20 for the World Heavyweight Championship. It was great. He deserved it. Agree? Disagree? Um, I, I, I have okay. So I have to say that you know, here's the thing: like anything Chris Benoit is in at this time. Right was great. Like the dude, the dude just came down the ring, and you knew that there was a fight about to happen. So I mean, anything he was in was 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 good. It was really good. Okay, you have nothing else to say about WrestleMania twenty with him winning this title with Eddie Guerrero and your ECW. Bullshit of these two celebrating, holding the titles of the WWF in their hands at WrestleMania and in the Garden. You don't have any other. I mean, this is Chris Benoit's greatest match of all time. This is Chris Benoit's biggest match. So, like, I mean, I've, look, I've already busted your chops about the ECW thing, and everybody already knows that I think that ECW is the greatest promotion of all time. And, and I think that this was a huge accomplishment because it just proves that point. I didn't even feel like I needed to bring it up. All right, fine. Fair enough. So he becomes the champion. He defends it later on. So that now was, he becomes a, that a, was a great moment, by the way. That match was really fucking good. It was a great that, moment that, for him. I was that, happy. That match, that, forget, about, forget about the ECW. That match by itself was so good. It was, it was so, good. so, 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 so good. When he that, had like, Triple H in that Crippler crossface and pulling and screaming, you can just see that he wanted it so bad, you know. And like this is that was the moment when Triple H in the, in the Crippler crossface, where I could just tell that okay, wrestling's not fake at this point in time. Like like Benoit really wants the fucking title, you know, and he's gonna get it because it's predetermined. But like he wants it, he's there, he has it. And he got it, and that's great because he deserves to be the champion. He deserves to be the champion yeah. at this point in time in 2004. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. Uh, three months following his victory at Backlash, Benoit and Edge engaged in a rivalry with La Resistance for the World Tag Team Championships. We saw a series of matches, uh, uh, which simultaneously was simultaneously having a confrontation with Kane over the world title. Chris Benoit wrestled in two matches at Bad Blood and his respected rivalries. Uh, he and Edge failed to regain their World Tag Team Championships, and he successfully de- defended the world title against Kane. A month later, at Vengeance, Benoit retained his title against Triple H. So he's retaining his title. You know, we got, we got all the way till August of 2004, where Benoit was finally defeated by Randy Orton for the World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam. So this guy held it for six months. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't quite as long as it should have been. Um, and he, and we're sort of getting to the part, we're sort of getting to the end. 
and I I would hope that they I would have hoped that they would have given him more title runs. Um, because well, he did eventually, though, because he became the United States champion in 05. Uh, I, I meant, I mean, like, like, oh, world heavyweight champion. Yeah, yeah, like the dude, the dude, the main Carter, like, legit, fucking, you know, the dude is an A team main eventer, always was. I mean, he didn't necessarily look like it. The dude was jacked, like, jacked, for, especially for his size. He was super strong. And they put him in matches with fucking, you know, okay, so they gave him the U.S. title run. Um, but, like, they put him in, in, in matches with, like, Orlando Jordan. And, and okay, so the Booker T thing was really good. Um, but, in you know, JBL matches weren't that good. No. Um, I mean, William Regal, I've said this on, on the show plenty of times, I think Ray, William Regal's one of – the greatest professional wrestlers to ever walk the face of the earth. Uh, and one of my favorites, those matches just weren't that good. No. Um, he had matches with Mr. Kennedy and Mr. Kennedy was just never that good. He, he had a great thing going for a little while, but uh, it just, and then he had, ma- you know, he had matches with MVP. They, none of those matches were just any of that were just that good, which unfortunately we're now, we, we now know why. But, I mean, it's just I, – I, I wish that they would have put him in, in a bigger spot. Well, now here comes the point of the documentary movie that you're currently watching on Netflix where the music gets somberous, gets a little dark, and now we are going to move you. So that was a joke leading up to a serious moment. On June 25th of 2007, bear with me, fans and Ed, police entered Chris Benoit's home in, in Georgia when WWE, who was Benoit's employer, requested a welfare check. After Benoit missed weekend events without notice, leading to concerns, the officers discovered the bodies of Benoit, his wife Nancy, and their seven-year-old son, Daniel, at around 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Upon investigation, no additional suspects were sought by authorities, and it was determined that Benoit had committed the murders over a three-day period. Benoit had killed his wife and son before committed suicide by hanging. His wife was bound before the killing, tying her hands and feet. Benoit's son was drugged with Xanax and was likely unconscious before Benoit started to strangle his seven-year-old son. Benoit then committed suicide by hanging himself on his lat pull-down machine. So he hung himself by his um, uh, workout equipment. WWE canceled the scheduled three-hour live Raw show on June 25th and replaced the broadcast with a three-hour tribute to his life and career, featuring his past matches segments and from the Hardens, the Chris Benoit story DVD, and comments from wrestlers and audiences. However, once the details of the murder suicide became apparent, WWE quickly and quietly began getting rid of itself from the wrestler by removing merchandise and no longer mentioning his name. The next day, on June 26th, episode of ECW began with Vince McMahon addressing the televised audience about the circumstances, announcing that there will be no more mention of Benoit that night, other than his comments. And the last little bit of news here is taxi- that. Toxicology reports released on July 27th of 2007 revealed at 
uh, the time of death, Nancy uh, Nancy had three different drugs in her system: Xanax, hydrocodone, and hydroformadone. I'm sorry if I'm murdering those names. All of which were found uh, rather than rather high than normal toxic levels. Daniel was found. The seven-year-old boy was found to have Xanax in his system, which led to the chief medical examiner to believe that he was seated. Uh, that's right. He was sedated before the murder. And Benoit was found to have Xanax, hydrocodone, and an elevated high testosterone caused by a synthetic form of hormone in his system. The chief medical examiner um, decided that the testosterone level to Benoit possibly had been treated by a deficiency caused by a previous steroid abuse or testicular, and pretty much his balls were broken. There is no indication that any uh, that anything had been was body contributed to his violent behavior that led to the murder-suicide, concluding that there was no roid rage involved prior to the murder-suicide. Benoit had been given legal illegal steroids not to compliance with WWE's talent wellness program in February 2006. And uh, there we go. Uh, there's more. Those are the three paragraphs that I had to read. Uh, breaks your fucking heart. Doesn't it? It it's the reason why I wanted to do this episode. It it's absolutely heartbreaking. It is the most sad thing that is a reality of what these guys do. We've seen these guys break their backs. We've seen these guys break their necks. We watched Sid Vicious snap his leg in half in the middle of a match. You know, and these guys care about each other. They might, you know, it's kayfabe that these guys hate each other, okay? Some of them do, sure. You get a lot of egos. Yeah, like I just said, that this dude, Benoit was jacked, and we, we now know that he was on steroids. But the biggest thing that you've got to remember about what happened and the savior in this whole thing, by the way, is a guy who every professional wrestler now hates. Chris Nowiski. All right. The dude might have had a terrible gimmick, but his gimmick was his real life. He was a Harvard graduate. Okay. The dude. The, so his brain, Benoit's brain. Because of CTE resembled that it was so severely damaged and this is a and this is the quote from uh their abc news benoit's brain was so severely damaged damaged it resembled the brain of an 85 year old alzheimer's patient okay the the dude had been jumping off a rope slamming his head onto the canvas for at this point, over 20 years. And it's an un, it's an, you know, a very sad reality that him and Aaron Hernandez, they did these things and their brains were sucked, were such mush because of the things that they had done to their bodies. A, for fame and fortune, and B, for the fans. Now I get that I get that Aaron Hernandez's circumstances were different. The dude was basically a G. Like the dude was a gangster when he was when he was in uh, Bristol, Connecticut, 
and the dude was a was a was a gangbanger when he was in college at Florida. And then somebody beat up his sister and he went and murdered him and then killed himself in jail. But he had the same brain, he had the same style, like all 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. So I'll get to my point in a second. I just want I, I want to know what you think about this whole situation. I don't know yet. Um, I had a few weeks to think about it. Um, it broke my heart when I first heard about it. But in 2007, I was in college. I was uh, a sophomore, junior in college. I guess I had more things to worry about it at that time. Uh, but now, reading what happened, <clears throat> um, I blame two people and two people only for this whole issue. Um, I blame Chris Benoit for um, not seeking help, for being stubborn, uh, for being a dick to not get himself better. And I blame Vince McMahon, uh, knowing that he was doing the flying headbutt, allowing him to do the flying headbutt, and not having his doctors say, hey, man, you kind of look concussed. Let's go check you out. Um, it would have been easily avoided if uh, Vince McMahon would have taken his employee and said, hey, dude, uh, you're no longer going to be employed here if you can continue to do this shit. So I feel that Vince McMahon has much blood on his hands as Chris Benoit does on this matter, personally. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Um, I do not agree that it's Benoit's fault. I mean, he, he did didn't speak help. He, he did what he did. That's on him. It's not on anybody else. I mean, he bears the full responsibility of murdering his wife and children. Seven, seven-year-old child. He did not murder the other two. Well, okay. He, his wife and son. Those people are dead because of what he did to them. Not for any other reason. He did it. And he, and he, you know, he bears the full responsibility for those actions. And he was convicted posthumously because of it. But much like Aaron Hernandez... And I'm gonna call I'm gonna call it out and just say flat out. He did what he did for me and for you and for everybody in the in the call in the ring verse and everybody that's ever watched professional wrestling. He these guys, regardless of injury, you know, like these guys have some injury and finish the match. No matter what it is, the show must always go on. We're, we, we live in an age now where guys can, can take time off because of this. And the fact that you got to remember, he may or may not have sought help. But until after, until after this moment, professional wrestling, WWE, or excuse me, not just WWE, professional wrestling and high-level football, college football D1 and the NFL. You, if you had a concussion, you shook it off and, you know, you went out and did your fucking job. You manned up. You were a little, don't be such a little bitch and get out there and go fucking hit somebody. That was the mentality of, of football 
and it was the show must always, always go on for professional wrestling. So yeah, I mean, I'm going, I'm, I'm dancing around it. Yeah, I, I disagree with you that it's Benoit's fault for not seeking help. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. We'll never know because WWF won't tell you. They would. They that would. I have the I have the documents right here that it is not known if Chris Benoit, who was employed at WWE at the time sure. of the murder suicide, um, he it was not known if he went to a personal doctor for health. But Chris Benoit never ever contacted or went to or sought or questioned a WWE doctor about his issues. And, and we know and neither and neither and neither did any of the other guys whose brains are now fucking mush because they were embarrassed. Exactly, which is bullshit. But what but what I'm trying it's to It's bullshit get at, now, but it's not how it's not bullshit then. This well, is how bullshit this then. is this it's only it's it's just like it, it's just like you know today we can look back at the movie Dumbo and see the crows and that song I done seen about everything until when I seen the elephant fly we can look back and say oh my god that's really fucking racist but at the time it was it was normal ten years ago if you and I and I, and I played football I played baseball I I I I watched these things my whole life. And if you if you had a concussion and you didn't get the fuck up and get back in there, you were a pussy. You everybody would scream at you about how you're a pussy. So you didn't take your you didn't want to be called that. You didn't want the show not to go on. You didn't want things to happen to you. You didn't want to get pulled from the show. You didn't want to not practice. You didn't want to not play. So if you didn't get back up and go out there, you ha- I mean you, you that you had to. It's just I don't know. I, I don't know that I can relay it to you because I don't know that you were ever in those situations. But I can tell you, as somebody who has several concussions, has had several concussions in his life, and I had post-concussion syndrome from a concussion I had, and my personality changed for a year. I was lucky enough to where I had the support system around me. But I was so utterly depressed. And I shared this on air about about when we were talking about uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. But that was but that whole that whole thing happened because of all this. Because of all that. I'm not that type of person. I was mean. I was my personality changed, and it was for a year. So yeah, I'm gonna take it real fucking personal when when not you, not you, but I'm just saying the general you, not you specifically, Jordan, co-host of Call It in the Ring. I'm just saying the pejorative, the, 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 the pejorative you. When somebody says that it's their fucking fault for not seeking help, I was lucky. I had people around me that grabbed me and took me and, and I sought help. They made me go seek help. And the first time didn't even fucking take. But... And I'm okay now. I'm much better. But now I had, it's a very personal thing for me. I mean, I, I, I never, thank God, got to the point to where my brain looks like an 85-year-old with Alzheimer's. Thank God it never got there. But I never, I, never, I never played a professional level sport. I played football for a couple of years. 
These guys are doing this day in and day out for me. And for me, for me, Chris Benoit went out there and jumped off the top rope and hit dudes in the head for me and for everybody in the WWE universe. He didn't do it for him. Sure, he got fucking rich. Okay, he got rich. But I, this is why I, this is this is the point I was trying to get to at the beginning of the show, without trying to go too deep into it. He turned his brain into mush for the fucking WWE and made Vince McMahon a fucking billionaire. And they can't even put his fucking name on a match. Think about that for a second. Vince McMahon got became a fucking billionaire because of guys like fucking Chris Benoit going out there getting his goddamn brain smashed to fucking mush. And they can't even give him the goddamn common courtesy to say Chris Benoit won the strap at WrestleMania 22. So, yeah, that's why this is real controversial because nobody wants to talk about Chris fucking Benoit because he did what he did. He did. He murdered his wife and his son. But it's because his brain was mush going out there and putting on the best show he fucking could for me and for you, and for Vince McMahon, and they can't even give him the time of fucking day to say thank you. Thank you for everything you did. They gave him three hours, and then erased him from their memory. And they only gave him three hours because it was the biggest story in the world at the time. They wouldn't have done that for any other reason. They do it now because they had to cover their ass. They had to cover their ass, and they have to do it now. That's why you can have an injury and sit out. That's why they don't let you do the kinds of moves and the kinds of things that you used to do to where you'd smash your skull. Because of this, they can't, but they can't even say fucking thank you. So fuck you, Vince McMahon. Fuck you, WWE, for not even saying Thank you to Chris Benoit. And end of rant. I think the problem is, is he did what he did by murdering his wife and child. If he committed suicide, which is absolutely terrible, um, this will be a different uh, world. If he committed suicide, and then they would embrace him as a martyr, and he would be hailed as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but because he snapped because of a brain injury, um, done by his own doing, and that's why I blame Vince McMahon, too, because Vince McMahon wasn't man enough to say, knock it the fuck off. Uh, Vince McMahon was too worried about how big his wallet was getting to say anything to Chris Benoit. Um, but I think it's because of what he did is why the WWE has shunned him from them completely. And that's my only argument in that. Uh, that's why I and, think that's why they shunned him. And I don't disagree with that. I, I, I That's the only thing that I can put in there in my thought process but 
have they erased Superfly Jimmy Snuka from their from their memory? What did the guy? Say? The guy raped several women. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the guy murdered somebody. The guy murdered somebody and fucking you know the guy murdered somebody and raped. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did the WWE did, did, has the NFL erased OJ Simpson from their memory, from their Hall of Fame? I believe they did. From their record from their record books. I believe they erased him from the Hall of Fame. I no, don't they didn't. No, he's, they didn't. No, he's still he's still in he's still in all their record books. Okay, how about this then? I think the reason why they did it is because a child was involved. That's probably why. You know, let's just let's just let's just pull down her hair and actually tell it how it is. I think it's because a child was involved. If he just murdered his wife, then probably not either. If he killed himself, then probably he would still be hailed. If he killed his wife, yeah, that's kind of touchy, but we're still gonna hail him. But because he killed a seven-year-old son. I think that's where people start to go. I mean, that's what I think the problem is, is that because he killed his seven year old son, that's where people get uncomfortable. And um, it's very fascinating how much people change uh, their opinions, their viewpoints, their uh, their principles, their outlook on life, however you want to call it, once children are involved. Uh, I can only speak this on my personal level because my viewpoints of life have changed ever since my daughter's been born. Sure, I and that's what I want to argue that point with you. Yeah, no, I mean we I can argue I that point. I don't have I don't have a kid, and I don't know, I don't know that kind of emotion, so I can't say, and I don't want to argue with that point with you. No, no, it's it's fine. You're not gonna. Don't worry, <laughs> fans who are still listening to this episode. Ed's never going to offend me. Ed has never offended me. It's part of the show here, so don't worry. You're not going to offend or argue. So if you have an opinion, please No, but I also really don't want to go there. No, you can go whichever way you want. I'm not going to be offended. I'm just telling you my personal opinion. Now, if you want to argue my opinion after I make my opinion here in a second, then please gladly feel do so. You're not going to offend. It's it's, it's for the audience. It's for our fans. A la Chris Benoit, keep on doing what he did for the fans. Um... It's just amazing that, you know, the way I see things are different now. Uh, my viewpoints, my attitudes have changed. Like, you know, uh, this is not a political show. I'm not going to get into politics. But, you know, fucking five years ago, personally, as an individual person, not for Colin the Ring, not for Ed, not for Movie Guys Podcast or any shows that are affiliated, just me as an individual person, I could give a fuck about abortion five years ago. I really could give a fuck. I had more things to worry about. But now that my child is born, now I care and I have an opinion about abortion. And it's just amazing, you know, how your opinion changes or your uh, viewpoints change. And with that argument of what I just said, uh, for my personal opinion, um, is that that's where I think that this issue with Chris Benoit becomes the issue that it is now just because he murdered uh, his seven-year-old son. And when I say just because doesn't mean it makes it good. I'm saying if he murdered, if, if he killed himself or if he killed his wife, maybe it'll be a different world. But because that child was involved, people's opinion changes. And that's what I think the issue is. Um, you know what? And in, in maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it's because of the kid. Because if I, you know, it, Lex Luger was, Lex Luger gave Miss Elizabeth allegedly all the drugs that ended up killing her. He was there with her when she died. 
Mm-hmm. Taz, Taz asked some 15-year-old girl to show him her titties. Mm-hmm. Right? These guys are still in the record books. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying they didn't go and murder these people flat out. Lex Luger was found to have not murdered Miss Elizabeth. And no. I'm not accusing him of such. No. But these are some real shitty things that happened when these guys with these guys that it, it started to come down and and you know, Vince McMahon gave the entire fucking throughout the eighties and early nineties. He gave them all steroids and cocaine. That's not. That's not true. That's not true. That, he did okay. not give them. That's not true. But don't, let's let's call let's, let's call let's call this what it is. Okay, Vince McMahon maybe not flat out gave it to them, but he didn't stop them from taking it. That's a very good point. Thank you so much for correcting that. And he did not give them. He didn't stop them. And there's a reason he he was put on trial for it. And he was found not guilty. Because he didn't flat out hand it to them. Absolutely true. But he was he was responsible for it, and he fucking knew. Well, Vince McMahon himself has even admitted to taking steroids. Um, but my, my point is, is that these guys have done all these things, mm-hmm. and their names aren't erased from the record books, and none of them were as good or as big, with the exception of Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. as Chris Benoit. I mean, but I mean, like, I mean, but look at our president. He says, grab her by the pussy. And he's and that doesn't make it okay. Exactly. It doesn't doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay. We are arguing the same thing. It doesn't make it okay. But just because our child is involved, that's the problem. If, if the president said, yeah, I touched a 13 year old girl, then everybody freaks out. But if he's not to get political, but the guy running for Senate out of Alabama, who the president fucking supported was a child molester. I is a child molester. Totally agree. I totally agree with you. It's absolutely bullshit. But because there's kids involved in a situation like this, people start to get sensitive. People, the political, I've been getting to realize that the way the country is split is all because of kids. That's what people argue all the time. It's kids this and kids that and kids this and kids that. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. You know, I'm doing this because of my kids. Well, no, you're not. That's your fucking excuse. And I'm on your side, Ed. And I want people to understand and realize that Chris Benoit did a horrible fucking thing. Horrible. But you out there say that you are a, not you as Ed, I'm saying people. You say that you are a good Christian person. That you read your Bible and you go to church and you listen to what Jesus says. But you are just as terrible as everybody else who was non-Christian because you do not follow the Christian belief of judge not unless he be judged. Only person that is supposed to, only being that's supposed to be judging Chris Benoit right now is God and Jesus themselves, not you. So I agree with you, Ed. He should not be erased from the books. He should be uh, admired for the accomplishments that he has done. I think the WWE and I think the fans fail to realize is that these are not football players. These are not basketball players. These are not baseball players. These are actors. The Rock is not The Rock. It's Dwayne Johnson. 
it's 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 absolutely absurd. Let's celebrate what the man did. Let's not worry about his personal life that affected the shit. And that is what irks me, buddy. That's why I'm on your team on this. He should be on there. Chris Benoit versus Triple H for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship WrestleMania 20. It should be there. But because there's a seven-year-old boy that was murdered because Chris Benoit went nuts because of his brain injury, people just try to erase it. And it's not and it's not fair. It's not right. And they are judging somebody that they have no reason to judge. But that's why. That's why. Flat out. And that's my opinion. I don't have, again, I don't have kids myself. I have a nephew that I love. And I would murder somebody if they ever harmed her. Well, then that's that's as close as you can get to being a parent. Right. But it's, I don't have, but it's different. I'm, 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 I'm very sure it's a different kind of. But here's but, the thing, though, is that I'm on your side with that, though. Well, my, yeah, but my, my, my point is is that, like, I'm, I'm only assuming you're correct because I don't know that feeling. The feeling, I, I the but, feeling is, is very, and after this, I'll shut up. The feeling is very easy to describe. It's a very easy feeling to describe. Um, the feeling of being a parent uh, is... I am doing what I do every day ultimately for you. I might buy myself something or I might drink some beers to make it through the day. But everything that I do, whether you like it or not, is for you. What's better for you, right? Mm -hmm. That is the simplest way I can describe being a parent. You know, because right now I'm a forklift driver. I'm probably going to be a forklift driver for the rest of my career, my life. I don't want I don't want my daughter to be a forklift driver. So I push her harder and try to guide her to be different than that, to be something better. So that, in a nutshell, is what a parent is like. So I know that you understand that concept. Um, but overall, let's just move on real quick. I think that's the problem. Um, I think that's why they are banning him completely. Do I think it's fair? No. Ed, do you think it's fair? No. Um, Because the guy was great. He was a WWE champion, and they don't even acknowledge it. And that sucks. That really fucking sucks. And I would love there to be a Chris Benoit documentary out there, but there's not. Well, there, there is, but it's... It's not accessible easily. Right, yeah. So, it sucks. It sucks. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. But, look, Ed and I have talked a long time about this. We both knew that we were going to have a nice um, discussion about Chris Benoit, but we knew we definitely wanted to talk about this whole uh, murder-suicide thing. But we appreciate you guys, though, for listening to our episode of Calling in the Ring. Um, and we want you to make sure to download us on Spotify and iHeartRadio and iTunes and MovieGuysPodcast.com. Uh, just search for Movie Guys Podcast in the social media forums, and you'll be able to find us and other episodes in uh, the universe of Movie Guys Verse, right? Uh, but next episode, I'm going to announce it now to try and change the mood here. 
Next episode is going to be a fun episode. Ed has no idea my opinions. I believe he kind of does a little bit. I know he's lying to me. But uh, our next episode for Call of the Ring will be in two weeks from the release of this episode. And we are going to be talking about the rise of AEW. We're going back to modern, folks. And it's going to be a debate all about AEW, about DCW, about, D, about uh, I'm sorry, not about AEW, about Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor. Again, that episode is AEW, and we'll be talking about Ring of Honor and TNA Total Impact. Um, talk about the future of wrestling. That's going to be a fun show, dude. I can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have any idea what my opinion is going to be? I'm curious. Um, I do, but I would, I don't want to get into it. I want to, I want to hear it fresh. I just don't want to, I don't even want to think about it. I know. Right. Cause it's very hard. So, yes. uh, but what, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> but we'll be back in two weeks for another episode of calling the ring for AEW. So be on the lookout for that one. That one's probably going to be a very, very fun show. So thank you so much, Ed, for joining me for this episode of the Chris Benoit episode for calling in the ring. And we'll be back very soon for AEW. Have a good night.